Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Welcome back to Savage to Sage. I am Daniel, the host, and today I have the joy of being joined by Darren Reese. He is the president and CEO at Sesco Group. Welcome, Darren. Thank you, Daniel, the host. This is a neat opportunity. Awesome. Well, why don't you tell the listeners first, you know, what is Sesco Group and how should we think about Sesco Group? Ah, that's uh, always evolving as well. I, I say with tongue somewhat in cheek. The Sesco Group is an environmental engineering company. Uh, we started in the mid 90s. Uh, I've personally been involved in it for about the last 10 years. Uh, what we do in the very simplest of terms is we help people that get in trouble through uh, regulatory agencies, whether it be the EPA or IDEM or a local institution of government that is telling them they had done something wrong with the dirt or with the air. So we clean the dirt, clean the air, find a way to get it funded and get the properties back in into shape. And personally, and I very much enjoy seeing properties that can get back into the tax rolls, generate jobs, generate AV and opportunity for for that for that purpose. And that's generally what we do. That's kind of a reactive model. But in the last 10 years, we've picked up a very proactive model of keeping people from making the mistakes in the past and then making sure that we're on the edge of what I think is a stewardship movement uh, across uh, the uh, emerging employee base and uh, vendor uh, requirement base. So we do a lot of stuff in uh, logistics and supply chain to make sure that health and safety practices are intact for for large corporations and that the stewardship to the planet is being taken care of as best we can and still make money. Got it. So are you the founder of Sesco or is that something you took over um, along the way? I'd say I'm the founder of this version of Sesco, but I did inherit okay. a lot. And that's you know, something that is it's very fun. When I got to Sesco, it was about 12 or 13 years old, had kind of run through its initial lifespan of its uh, work market that it was going for. It had had some pretty significant successes. And, you know, at the time that I came in, I didn't didn't particularly realize it had uh, gotten very small. And it was the perfect opportunity to take what was at one point a really cool race car and bring it up to today's standards. And so I've spent a lot of time doing that. I come from community development, economic development, real estate development, human development, stuff like that. And I came in as the VP of uh, government and redevelopment services, having been recruited. And we were joking beforehand, I'm a recovering HR guy. Uh, there's always that joke about when you're getting recruited after you die to either go to heaven or hell and you know hell puts on such a great show of hey look at our golf courses and look at the bars open all the time and you can come down here and do all this stuff and, you know heaven's just clouds you know it's like oh peace and clouds you end up making a bad choice and going to hell and it's hell and all of a sudden you know you're like well this isn't what you sold me on this is that so well you're being recruited yeah <laughs> so there was there was, you know, not to disparage where we were. And of course, my investors that are, that have been with me through this, 
it, it needed some help. It needed some help. So it was uh, a challenge, a personal challenge to decide to kind of take on that mantle and spend a lot of time from just the business practices, certainly culturally. And you know, I'm very proud of what we've been able to do uh, in the last 10 years. So yeah, I do kind of think I founded this. It was just you know, with the nuts and bolts that have been kind of put astray on the floor. Yeah, well, we like to like map you know, your evolution from Savage to Sage in the show. And it's an interesting, like a lot of times we're talking to, to founders who are starting something from scratch, but that's an interesting story to come into something that already had, you know, an existence, but that in a lot of ways needed to be rebuilt. And so in terms of like describing those early days and what that was like and what the, what the savagery was like to, to rebuild and to take something and, you know, turn it into something new, like what? How would you describe what was required of you during that time? Sure. Thanks. I, I was a client before I came on board at Sesco. That's how I got to know him. I, as I was doing work with uh, the redevelopment, I, there was always an environmental component to that. And I've worked with a number of firms as a, as a client. And I was always impressed with Sesco's basic entrepreneurial attitude. There was a willingness to work through issues rather than just kind of like lay a report on the table and say, hey, sorry, this is not going to be that. So I was attracted to that problem solving. And so, I mean, for the record, I, hey, man, I've got an English degree and an MPA. I'm not an environmental scientist. (laughs) I, I, uh, I get to be their voice to our clients and community and to, you know, my constituencies and, but I kind of reminded them that you know people don't like us. People don't want to deal with the environmental side of a project. They, you know, hey man, it's underground. You can't see it. You don't know. Can we just forget about it? Don't get it. It's expensive. It's not. And I'm like, man, we've got, we are going to change that. We're going to be a company that is able to provide a solution. You guys have already shown me sparks of that just as a client, and we're we're going to be that company. And candidly, I've got probably a handful of staff that are still there from that time and they deserve it. The fact that, you know, these folks are putting their name under what is my logo uh, in a way that I need to count on them uh, for their professional expertise uh, and their credibility. I need to make sure that this is a, this is an institution that can be looked upon with integrity uh, and with the ability to solve a problem. So that was that was fun and that was refreshing. And what we did is we looked internally at, okay, what are the components of what we do and where else can we do them? So we uh, identified some other areas of business where we could grow. And, you know, we kind of went down that path. So I definitely needed them uh, along the way. And I feel like I hopefully have been the cheerleader for them to do that. So, you know, we've, we've taken in and we've adopted that proactive approach with what we call our stewardship area. Some other folks would call it sustainability compliance, but I like the stewardship concept. And, you know, we've got a, got a well-balanced group of folks that are in it because they choose to be in this field and I want to empower them to be the best they can be in it. I like that. So a lot of times in those early days in particular, what we call the savage days, we learn like the good, bad and ugly about ourselves as leaders uh, because you know it's sort of like that metaphor of with like with the heat on like a precious metal the impurities get exposed Um, and so like what for you were some of those 
things like the hard and the painful, ugly things that got exposed. And then maybe one example of that and one example of like a, a good thing that you didn't know about yourself that got exposed during that time. Sure. Uh, it's just the, the recruiting joke. It was that one of those and it kind of inheriting a company that has already made some bad decisions is its own journey. So yeah, there's many that I certainly will claim that I've made along the way too. But first, immediately removing ego while still trying to be a champion of a of a brand and a, a flag bearer for the the corporate community was a challenge. I effectively decided early that. You know, it was worth keeping the name because we had another name ready to go. Yeah, that was. I didn't didn't think it was going to be appropriate for us to change the name because then we're always known as you know the artist formerly known as Sesco. That why they have to change their name? But I I I got down to it and I had humble pie with a lot of my clients that their projects weren't going as well as they should. They weren't going to get the results they were they were promised, but we were still going to get get them to a good place at the end. So I had that for lunch for like two years, you know, just really kind of recovering from, you know, the sins of the past. And we still have a couple of, you know, legacy projects that we honor uh, that we're working through that ultimately are going to be good for our clients and the communities in which the projects are in. And so it kind of having to remove yourself from also being that, that leader and trying to depersonalize it um, because you know, as as you know, and as a lot of folks know, you you personalize it too much, the downs will take you out, and the highs are are pretty pretty false. So I attempt to be as I, I guess I, I attempt through that to be as uh, level uh, as possible. So mm-hmm. you know, keep cool, uh, keep resolved. Doesn't always happen, but that was one of those things that you know you kind of baptism by fire in a couple of spots that you know just after a few years almost you're still finding things from the first 12 uh, it just gets to be a grind and but we've made it through and i've had a chance to make my very own mistakes of which the same thing applies you know if you all market conditions can point towards a direction of growth and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a plague and you have got no employees anymore to execute the work that you're trying to do. And I, that's a whole nother downside. And that's a, uh, when you think you've got a, got a machine that's growing and, and working as well, it, the business world will send you a, a curveball. And, you know, how do you handle that and still keep the composure to your investors and to your necessary staff? So that's, that's been a thing. Yeah. And a lot of times, when I hear that, I think, okay, there's got to be, you know, some practices that you have to, to help you with that. Because I think especially when you're in the heat of the moment, man, all of us are so prone to reacting out of the emotions of the moment. So like, what, what are some practices that have helped you along the way to, to build in that resolve and, you know, that ability to have a peaceful or kind response to a difficult situation? I have a tendency to to work in difficult situations with irony and humor. And so that's kind of my go-to. I usually try to lighten the mood. And I have worked purposely not to insert that and to let beats happen during a conversation, let people be uh, a little, lose a little bit of wind and then not try to fill the spaces just because I have a, 
a, a funny reference that I could make to be able to turn that off when it's a, appropriate, when, you know, you recognize the gravity of a situation, uh, digest it rather than just, you know, refute it or laugh it off. And then, then do the autopsy at a time when you're, you're cooler head. That's, that's been a very difficult thing, thing for me. And so those conversations with myself, my wife have, you know, I'm trying to be less and less reactionary as I go. That would be the sage aspect of it. And that somewhat comes with age and that also somewhat comes with, you know, negative results from throwing a joke in at the wrong time. So there's letting the moment be the moment that it deserves. Let it breathe. It's not going to, no matter how dire you feel like it will be at at the moment, at that moment, it's going to be okay. You know, you're going to find a path. That's what got you where you are. Have a little more self-confidence, have a little bit more peace speak of, you know, self-awareness. Those are, those are things that, that, that are hard to, hard to take, at least for me. Uh, and then to be able to you know, live in the silence of a moment and, and let it do what it needs to do. Does that make sense? That's not exactly like a, a cool little phrase or anything. It's just, the, even if I've got the, what I think is the right answer right out of the gate, I don't usually say it anymore. I used to. Yeah, I consider that like a pause approach and also just, you know, what you said earlier, just about leveraging the the wisdom and the strength of your team as well. I think, you know, we're in a culture where executive leaders are like, they need to be like you, they need to be the answer people and the solution people. They need to fill that space. There shouldn't be dead space, you know, and they're also, they tend to be characterized by people that are reactive you know in the moment with anger or frustration or and it it sounds like you've you've had to say like that's that's not going to be really helpful for this situation for our team for our our organization and so i'm going to take another path i'm curious to know like how your team or your stakeholders have responded to that too because it's it is so out of the ordinary from you know how most leaders (laughs) would approach similar situations it's I'm I am looking at it as empowerment. You know, collaboration is very important to me. I will make the hard decision when I need to. You know, to you know, bring people into the fold of it, let them know that you know their thoughts are important. Um, it's very important to me to make sure that you know the team doesn't feel run over. Uh, you know, they are part of this. We are in this together. I definitely need them. I they know. I tell them, and it's not. It's not like I'm trying to put on that sort of facade uh, as the leader, but I do you now I'll do the redirect questions of, you know, okay, what did, what did you hear in this conversation? What do you think these, the main points of what this client concern is? How would you, if you had a chance to write the story for the next three months, what would that look like? And then, you know, take that under advisement and, and hopefully integrate that. And that's, it's a great way to, uh, uh, help me not just say, well, here's what I think, and this is what we should do. And I don't know. And so, no, I want to, I want to see how well that gels with what uh, the team thinks. Yeah. So transitioning to team, I think there's, there's something about leaders that have, you know, are on that journey towards stage that they begin to know, okay, 
this these are the characteristics of people that I need to bring onto my team and then hire and you know and encourage people to come on the team based on that what would you say for your team as you've made this pivot from an you know an older organization you started steering it in a new direction what what's been important characteristics for those team members that you've brought on well i want i want people that are drawn in by the people that are being successful at, at our shop again i think it, it speaks well when my technical professionals are satisfied with their work that doesn't mean happy all the time i mean that's that's probably un, unachievable but i do want them to feel engaged and satisfied and generally heard and and part of it and i want them to be able to tell their peers because it, it's not like anything I, it's you know there's a lot of people in our industry that work for all you know 10 environmental firms that are you know indie and so i want my I want my staff to be my recruiters. Yeah, I do. And that doesn't always happen. It doesn't always work out. But that's the goal. I want our shop to be a place where they can excel professionally and make it someplace they're willing to tell their friends in the industry that they want to be. You you should think about coming to us. We've we've made a decent move that way, but it'll, it'll never achieve that. So I guess I really defer so much of the nuts and bolts, um, technical to them that I've built that and the culture where that is paramount. Uh, one of the things that I did to do that, and I uh, would like to think it was progressive at the time. And, you know, there's, it's not uncommon in our industry when we've got clients that first don't want to deal with what we have to deal with, with them and then ask us, to fudge a number or to look the other way or you know, do something that would ultimately degrade the value of the work that, that my folks are doing. And I gave everybody the authority to fire clients uh, just on the spot. You know, if uh, someone that's wherever is like, hey, man, if, you know, can you do that? No, we're not working with you. Yeah, if there's a firm out there that wants to do it, they can work with you. We're not going to do that. So I've banked on that and that, that has uh, shown a lot of promise. Sometimes it doesn't work out because I do want it. Not everybody has the same aspirational goals. You know, there's, uh, we've had some folks through, through the firm that are just transactional. You know, they just, Hey man, I want to come in. I'll do my work. I'll leave and know this stuff and I'm not going to do anything for you. You're corporate, blah, 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 all that stuff. I'm like, okay, well then you're not for us. And I've, you know, had folks that have uh, grown and, and stumbled. I've had folks that have uh, attempted to sell me and I'm, oh, what? We can do this and I'll do this. And I'm like, that's great. Let's go do that. And uh, I'm, I got burnt. And that's part of what, you know, the plague gave me too is like the, uh, I, I, I trust a little bit too much. You know, I got to get, I, I always tell myself it's what you inspect, not what you expect. Um, so that's, that's something I'm still working towards. But I do want to believe in the in the best of people, and uh, so that 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 continues to bite me from time to time. But I'm I'm still willing to be on that side of the uh, equation because I I just don't want to be that bitter guy that doesn't believe anybody. Yeah, describe a little bit more what you mean by inspect versus ex expect. That that's intriguing to me. Oh yeah, I don't. I don't know where I picked it up. I had a boss uh, probably twenty years ago when I was 
doing some HR and it's it just, and I'm sure he got it from a book and there's probably a thousand of your listeners right now going, I know exactly where this is cited. I'm not doing that, but it's like, you know, and he just kind of gave me one of those Darren people don't do what you expect. They do what you inspect. So he's basically telling me, make the plan, keep the metrics, keep people accountable. And you know, if they do that and then more, you've got a surprise, but I, you know, and hopefully, you know, you, you do hope that people will excel beyond that, but at least give them a baseline uh, of what you expect and then check to see if they're doing it. So, and that's been part of our struggle with the uh, going, you know, kind of from a old school analog company to utilizing the technology that's available today to be able to see that. And that is, that is an upside of what we've been able to do uh, you know, during this disruption, uh, you know, we we're downsizing our building because, you know, we had this beautiful building that we built out for perfect 2019. Everybody had their own office and everybody, you know, we had plenty of garage space and all of a sudden no one's coming to work anymore, but yet we're still producing, uh, in a way that's successful because our technology allows us to, to keep track of that. But we, you know, are moving to a smaller space, uh, and ideation is my main goal between them now it's like we're we're going to continue to get together we've got to have a sense of corporate community while still letting people you know we've got people in multiple states that just never see Um, but yet in a firm as small as we are they've got to have a sense of the mission they've got to have a sense of what we're trying to do rather than just uh, go with you know a big glass building version of us or a multinational version of us so that's and that is a challenge. Yeah. And speaking of that, how do you keep that mission and your values front and center, not just, you know, a poster on the wall of the physical office no, or we've like we've got the cat hang in there one. No, just kidding. Or yeah. Or it's, you know, for us, it lives on our, we, we use EOS and we use a software yeah, 90 um, and it, it lives on our 90 software under the vision and traction organizer. Yeah what are continual challenges? How does that remain living, you know, and at the forefront of our team's mind as we interact with clients, as we do administrative work. So like, what does that look like for you? Absolutely. We were an early adopter of a tool called Motivosity. And so that was kind of like a, a, a private uh, social media platform where the whole company could have, you know, kudos and notes and hey, what we're doing this weekend. It really at the time supported the multiple offices that we had and just trying to get interaction together. We are still uh, utilizing technology for that, but I've made it a point where we are getting together in that department department uh, basis, analog wise, at least once a month. And so, you know, my remediation crew met today. That's what it was down in Indy before I got back home. Uh, this afternoon for some other stuff and it's not the same but it is still an opportunity to get face to face and uh, remind people of what we're doing so we use you know a mix of technology and analog you know we'll see what happens at the new office but i'm still a fan of our folks meeting kind of out in the field wherever they need to but as long as they get together at least on department i'm uh still debating on full company meetings, you know, the town hall thing. I, 
I'm torn on that. I mean, I've talked to uh, peers that, you know, some of that, some of that works, some of that doesn't. Some, you know, folks feel like their time could be better used otherwise. And we've got the ability to get on teams or whatever sort of secondary conference tool that people are using in these, these times to be able to accomplish the same thing. So that, that is still evolving, but you know, that, that, personal touch is required. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We just have a few minutes left and I like to finish off with a few lightning round questions. Um, and the one is around self-care. Um, I find that self-care, I like to call it soul care, uh, just because I think soul care hits deeper in, you know, to the human soul and psyche more than, you know, self-care tends to be like, I, Oh, I got my favorite frappuccino at Starbucks today and cared for myself. Um, but so for soul care, when you think about like taking an hour to do something that just refreshes you or taking a weekend, you know, and doing that activity, what what's your like go to activity for refreshment in that way? It, that's that's a, a great question. I don't have a particular hobby or anything that would do that. I do have my commute drive, which is, which is nice. What I do, there's a, there's a weird dynamic that I've, I found as an administrator that, you know, I'm dealing with the bad stuff most of the time that when I can get my hands into real client involvement, a real project success, I, I remind myself that, okay, there's this stuff is happening still. It's not just, okay, what are we doing next? Where are we raising money next? What are we doing? You know, that sort of grind from, from that uh, C-suite. But so I enjoy getting involved with the uh, redevelopment projects. Um, Just did one on the side uh, with the company too. Um, Enjoy. I enjoy making the bed now. It, which always confused me. Uh, I'm really until like three years ago. I'm like, why does anybody ever make a bed? You got to get back in. I mean, it's just why. But it's something that's accomplished. Yeah, it's something that you can see satisfaction for. I, I I've got uh, a little bit of land up here, out in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, where I live, and. I've got this backpack blower that I do my driveway with and it's satisfying. And that's, you know, a good 30 minutes, 40 minutes, with just the headphones on or something like that. So I, I enjoy remembering that through the chaos of, you know, the things that are slung at me day to day uh, from all angles that there are, there are still positives that, that are occurring. And I can, I can make them on my own, but I get as much satisfaction out of doing it for work too. So, you know, I had a, my wife and I are child free. So yeah, we, uh, we don't have to focus on that stuff. I don't blame people for having kids, but so I really kind of, and she's independently, uh, employed as well. So we kind of, we do a lot of work and we do a lot of volunteer work, but you know, our, the little, uh, achievable wins are are pretty satisfying you know we'll run off for a vacation for a couple of days but we usually get back and it's it's kind of the probably not you know the hard line between work and life that people that are making i think that's you know candidly a benefit more of a 
of an employed person. Yeah, someone that have a regular hours. I mean, you can be selfish, and there's nothing wrong with being selfish in a lot of different ways. But I think that the the real satisfaction comes from the balance, if it, even if it includes you know workplace wins. I like that. So, last, you know, if if someone's listening, they're in a similar scenario to you. They're entrepreneurial, but they they're you know taking over a company that's been in existence for some time. Like, what would be like that. I mean, you could probably talk for hours and like, I, I would do this, I would do this, but what would be that one nugget of wisdom that you would say, do, you know, focus on this. Uh, and if you were to choose one thing. Yeah. Expect it to be worse than you expect and expect it to still be worked out. Yeah. You know, if like you that. have the opportunity to, to come in and take the reins and certainly the trust from um, the ownership group, whether you're part of it or not, which likely you should be, you will, even with the humility uh, of such a task, your ability to get to that spot will get you through that spot. So stay tenacious, stay committed. Don't hold on and beat a dead horse too long, but don't also just to throw everything out. And that's, that, that's a tough one, but I guess basically is like, it's going to be worse than you think, <laughs> but so what, you know yeah. what you're, you're up for? It. I guess that's the savage in me. I'm like, I, I want a chaos. I, I want a, a problem to, uh, to accomplish and, and work out. And, and so coming into an existing business or even after years of making your own mistakes, you're going to have to play cleanup at at some point, but embrace it. Yeah. Well, that's sage wisdom. And I appreciate your time today and appreciate, you know, you're sharing your journey. And I know with what you share, there's so many ups and downs. And I think a lot of people are going to relate to that, that heard um, you today. And so if someone wants to get you know, in touch with you after hearing the show, where would you point them? Uh, it's, you know, dreese at sescogroup.com is fine. Uh, Darren.reese at gmail uh, is cool. Uh, I'm even that guy. I've got Darren at darrenreese.com with some really old photos. Uh, you know, if you're <laughs> watching today, you'll see that I haven't updated my photos in a while. And that's, the, you know, that's, uh, so I don't know the value of that, but I'd be, I, I'm, it is good to communicate amongst peers. It is good to communicate openly. Uh, you know, it's like it's not perfect all the time, and those that seem to be perfect all the time are lying. Find someone that's been close to where you've been and and ask them, and it's okay. Get rid of the get rid of your hubris. Ask the question. Save yourself two or three years worth of fight, <laughs> and yeah, learn. Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, thanks so much, and I appreciate you being a guest on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.